Tomahawk, my little flute benders, and welcome to a bonus episode of I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Garrett Smith. Uh, my name is Dan Scully, coming at you live via satellite. That's right. <laughs> uh, Dan couldn't be here with us today because we're doing sort of an emergency episode because uh, we've got Philadelphia's uh, own Ryan Silberstein in the house. Ryan? Hello, hello. Uh, he's joining us today because we continually, all weekend long, have been trying to talk about Infinity War on Twitter for some reason and all deciding we can't because we don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yep. Uh, so we decided to just get an impromptu podcast together and put our thoughts to tape, question mark? It's, this goes to tape. Sure, there's a tape somewhere, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know if you guys will remember this, but way back in 2014, Dan and I did an episode. It's one of the only episodes I've ever done that was not about a movie specifically. It was just called Superheroes where Dan and I discussed our excitement over this prospect of the Marvel Universe and the idea of telling a big, long story over a bunch of movies and how excited we were to see the format of comic books writ large on, on the big screen. It, w- it, wasn't about, mm-hmm. it wasn't about superhero movie? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not going to lie, superhero movie, out of all of those like shitty parody movies, yeah. That one is a little bit okay. Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that it's good. It's not good. But it's a little bit okay. Fair enough. At least when I when I saw it. It was it was way back in the day and I yeah. believe it was due to the uh, service that I refer to as okay stupid. But um okay okay cupid. Uh, I needed to come up with something quick and superhero movie was it and it was it was it was just okay when it really should have been absolute dog shit. So yeah. just just throwing that out there. My great joke about that is going to be they thought of it real quick too. That was <laughs> hot take. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I think they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's what, how those things work. What is it? Salzburg? Is that the one? It's Salzburg and something else. I think yeah, are the guys that do those, so. right? I don't fucking know. It's <laughs> idiot and, and idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they got it right once, it sounds like. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this discussion is going to be a pretty spoiler-heavy discussion of Avengers Infinity War, um, but we're actually we're not necessarily going to review the movie like we normally would. We're going to kind of use it as a jumping-off point to reopen this idea now that we are basically reaching the end game of 10 years of storytelling over about 20 movies. Uh, reopen the idea of this grand experiment of telling a, a long-form story over a bunch of movies and how well that works or doesn't work, and what we think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Do we want to start, though, with just general impressions of Infinity War and literally use it as a jumping-off oh. point to get into it? Sure thing. Can I actually ask a, a question of tact? Yes, absolutely. I'm very curious, just just for my own, uh, my own interest here, at what point do you think it's okay for a movie like this or for any movie like this that is very spoiler-avoidant? Yeah. At what point are we allowed to talk about it openly on a platform like Twitter? Like, yeah. What is the timeline? That's a really good question because the uh, part of this, qu- I do honestly think this is part of the question, is like it just made more money than any other movie ever on its opening weekend. Yep. So part of it becomes a question of like, well, who hasn't seen this yet that like we should be waiting to spoil it for? Yeah, and... Mm-hmm. Um, Especially on Twitter, it seems like, because everybody on Twitter is very, like, with it. It also just made enough money where it is now the number two movie of the year. Yeah. After three days. Yeah. Behind Black Panther. Uh, that's mm-hmm. world, like, 
domestically, yeah. worldwide, all that kind of stuff. I know my parents haven't seen it yet, right. so I've been like shy about spoilers on Facebook. Because, I have been too. Um, that's part of we're taking my mom out for Mother's Day, yeah. and we're also taking her to Infinity War. So that's, oh, that's so cool yeah. that your parents will watch that. Oh, they're totally into it. Actually. They love it. Yeah, I mean, like they don't love it as much as I do. Yeah. But my mom, like she, she loves the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah. Um, she likes Robert Downey Jr. Like she, she likes some of the actors and the yeah, people yeah. in it. Uh, I'm pretty sure she thinks Chris Hemsworth is hot. So Hell like, yeah, she does. So you know that helps a lot. And my my dad just likes it for being like nerd shit. Yeah. So. Chris Hemsworth was built in a space forge for moms. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. He is. A, I'm just a, picturing. I'm picturing your parents as your dad is you, but with a drawn-on mustache, <laughs> and your mom is you, but with but with like a silly yarn wig. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not, what I'm imagining, that's not entirely far off. Like you know how some people look like more like one parent than the other. I really do look like a blend between them. So like I could probably uh-huh. pull it off. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, is there a way to make a rule about it too? Like, do we say home video release? I, you, Once it's on home video, can we start talking about it openly? I think home video for sure is like, you know, after that week is yeah. like officially you can, yeah. but obviously you kind of can before that. Like I, I don't, I struggle with it. I don't find it necessary to spoil it. Like what's yeah. the, like, what is the, the context around where you need to say, Gamora dies. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, and I feel like this there, I, you know, there are things you could spoil about this mm-hmm. movie for people, but it is one of those weird movies where I actually feel like it's a little unspoilable. Like I don't know that there's anything well, that occurs I, in it I, that I think, is like. I think this will actually get us to that discussion really yeah, quickly. Yeah. So if you if you want to talk overall impressions, we yeah. should probably do that first because yeah. we're quickly going to get into how you feel about it might yes. impact you, how you feel about spoilers about it. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, bef- before we get into the impressions, though, I will say this. I made a joke back in the day when they announced that Glass was going to start shooting. Oh, yeah. And so I made the joke that that was the moment where we were allowed to speak about the end of Split. Yes. Um, of course, that's a that's an extreme circumstance that we can only speak about it when the director themselves announces the sequel. Right. Um, and of course, that's a that's a different type of spoiler in that it's not really a plot spoiler so much as it was a, a universe reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just a surprise more exists than you think. But then I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Oh, I told the story on the air about how I had watched Get Out with my parents. Oh, yeah. Get Out is an extremely spoilable movie. Oh, yeah. It is a heavily discussed movie, and silently, it seems, everyone has agreed to just not spoil it. That's true. And yeah. It's a weird throwback, because nobody's, like, spoiler-phobic about it. Nobody's going, whoa, 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 don't say anything. But everyone's talking about it openly. I mean, I guess that's more because the... The resonance of it is more thematic as opposed to plot-wise. But yeah. still, it's amazing to me that nobody nobody even thought to say don't touch it because nobody really even thought to touch it. Right. And yeah. you know, there's a disconnect there between that something like that and something that is that is uh, you know explicitly and excessively serialized, like uh, entries of the MCU. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I guess the the answer is there is no answer, but I think it's worth considering. Well, kind of to your point, and that we are going to so quickly get into my divide on this movie, but yeah. like to your point, it's like I I think that the reason you can talk about Get Out is because you don't have to spoil it to talk about what the movie's about. Whereas I don't really know what Infinity War is about, so unless I'm specifically spoiling things, what is there to talk about? 
Does that That's true. I think the, the, the value for something like Infinity War is I think there is some thematic depth to it. I think yeah. that there is some metatextual commentary yeah. about, you know, recycling through our heroes to create new ones. Mm-hmm. But for for the most part, I think what leads a discussion about any entry in the MCU, especially one that functions as an event film as opposed to character-driven films, yeah. is every discussion is going to be dictated almost solely by plot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of my point. It's like the plot is what's here to talk about. Um, be- <clears throat> because there's not a lot beyond that to dig into, it is a highly spoilable movie in that sense. Yeah, and, and I think compared to other recent even MCU movies, it is probably less thematically rich. Then certainly Black Panther, but also even Spider-Man Homecoming. There's a lot of cool theme stuff in there. Thor Ragnarok touches on some interesting stuff. Um, so I think, you know, in general, superhero movies are really easy to add a lot of thematic value to. Yeah. But this is one where you're right. Like, I feel like the thematic stuff is pretty straightforward at the very least and yeah. not something we haven't seen before necessarily. Right. So, um, you know, there's not as much of that conversation to have at this point in time, at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it becomes <laughs> a thing where it's like, what do we even talk about? Because we do want to save the experience for people. Mm-hmm. So how do you talk about it? What do you? Yeah, do you I mean, about? and that's, you know, kind of uh, segueing a bit further. Um, you know, I wrote up the review for Synodelphia yeah. based on my Dan and I went to the press screening on Tuesday last mm-hmm. week. And I was like. I don't know what I'm going to write about this movie. And even kind of giving it, I was talking about like, char- I liked seeing characters together that we hadn't seen together before. And I was like, let me go rewatch the trailer to make sure I'm choosing examples from ones that people have already seen in yeah. case I'm accidentally spoiling, like, yep. you know, rocket raccoon and Bucky. Yeah, like yeah. I really didn't, I really enjoyed that, but I was me like, too. Oh, that's late in the movie. So yeah. I'm like, I'm going to use Peter Parker and star Lord because they're definitely in the same spot in yes. the trailer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So I ended up talking a lot about Thanos and yeah. his motivations and how they built him as a character and Josh Brolin's performance because mm-hmm. I was like I can I need something where I can't just talk about the stuff that happens yeah um, which I don't like I I like to try to keep my plot recaps and my reviews to like maybe a paragraph and a half yeah because I don't feel like there's a lot of value in that yeah I don't know why people do that at all in um, reviews to be honest I, like I do it mostly to, like center my own head and like kind of pull out things that I need to refer back to later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's why I ended up talking mostly about Thanos and how impressed I was because that's where Infinity War really beat my expectations because interesting, I wasn't sure how this movie was going to handle him. Like yeah. having read a bunch of the comics, he's not really a character I give a shit about. Right. Um, he's interesting. He's a little boring after like the third time that you see him. You're like, yeah. all right, I, he's no Kang is what and, I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Up until this point, he has literally been nothing but an Easter egg. I know. Mm-hmm. He has never been anything beyond an Easter egg. So it yeah. is really phenomenal that they were able to build this character. And kudos to, you know, the, the powerful combination of a good effects team and someone like Josh Brolin, you know, to really, you know, uh, I believe Star-Lord calls him Grimace. Yeah. yeah. He could have very easily looked like Grimace. Yeah. You know, the same way that, that everyone was like, oh, the Hulk looks like Shrek when, when <laughs> Ang Lee yeah. had the audacity <laughs> to make a CGI green thing. But, yeah. um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I agree with you in that uh that uh, I did not know how they were going to handle Thanos, and I ended up kind of engaging with him most of all. I so okay, he he's one of my my okay. So my overall impression of the movie is I did enjoy this movie. This movie's a lot of fun. And it's hard to it's another one where it's hard to complain about because it's relatively successful. Mm-hmm. You can't argue with yeah, people. Yeah. You, people like this movie, so I you know it's it's hard to go like it's bad because it's like no people like it. It's 
succeeding at what at what it's setting out to do. Uh, and it, it was enjoyable. I, I enjoyed it, but like, it just didn't do a lot for me. I, I I was pretty, you know, relatively disengaged basically with it. Like Dan, you've sat with through you know through things like the Last Jedi with me, where like I'm rocking in my seat and I'm like gasping out loud and I'm like in, and I just never had that moment with this movie. Um, which is what I want to have with these movies. It's a little bit of my expectations not being met, and I get that that's not exactly what you're here to do when you're criticizing a movie, but right. it's a little bit what it is for me. It's, you know, I, I want that sort of, like, I'm in all the way, and I never really had that with this movie. And so part of it is just, I didn't feel any of what it wanted me to feel. And and a lot of that comes down to Thanos for me. I So I didn't buy it when he quote-unquote, loves Gamora enough to sacrifice her. Right. I felt like all the movie had given me up to that point is that he manipulates her for his service. And then all of the sudden in that moment, I'm supposed to buy that, no, no, I really do love her, which I probably could have if, like everybody else, they had actually threaded Thanos through the other movies as a character. Having to load it all Mm -hmm. into one movie, I never got the sense that that was actually the case until I just was supposed to leave that was the case in the moment. The first time around, I yeah. agreed with you hardcore. Yeah. Because in that moment, when she did the, oh, you know what? You finally have to prove you love something, and you're incapable of yep. it. Ha, ha, ha. Screw you, Dad. It's not a diary. It's a journal. <laughs> yeah. And she has that great moment, and it's a great moment for her. She doesn't always get that much to do. So it's like a really good moment for uh, uh, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, I thought, I thought and, she was um, really good in this. But the first time around... They, they, the movie requests that you instantly buy the fact that he does love her. Yeah. Alongside what is supposed to function as a shocking reveal of, yes, he is capable of love. And that's what makes this more nuanced. Right. And the first time around, that did not play. Yeah. The second time around, it played way harder than I. And like the second time around, I, I was admittedly trying to resist it because that was one of my criticisms. Yeah. And. The second time around, it worked that much better. Um, you know, my 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 guard was down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a really good crowd. And and Ryan, you and I talked about this uh, when we saw it the first time. It's just the first time you take on a movie of that magnitude. Sometimes you try so hard to engage it that you disengage yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it, it almost always happens, especially with something like that that is filled with so much sumptuous detail that you're trying to consume every little piece. Um, and the second time around, not having that lens made that scene work much, much better for me. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do want to check it out again. I just I got a little bit burned by Civil War where like I saw that and had a similar like, I don't know, that didn't really do anything for me. And everybody was like, no, no, it's great. I was like, all right, I'll go see it again. And I was like, no, no, it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was I like. Mean- I think Civil War is more interesting than it is good. Yeah, yeah, it's good, but it's, yeah, it's way there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie. Yeah, and trying to untangle it is more interesting than the movie itself. I think. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but, but but for this, I think you know, for me in that in that scene specifically, there was a lot of groundwork that James Gunn had done in Guardians Two between Gamora and Nebula. Yes, that I was sort of carrying through that scene, yep. and so like I was feeling it more from Gamora's perspective. Yeah. More than I was like identifying with Thanos because right. 
I don't think he knows the difference between actual love and like gross, grossly manipulating people to right. shape them into the person he wants them to be. Yeah. And we can argue about whether or not the soul, sh- the soul stone should be able to tell the difference. Right, right. But I think in that moment, like he doesn't know the difference. Like that's as close to love as he can get anyway. Yeah. yeah. So like that kind of works for me. And it's not that I felt empathy for him. Yeah. I felt empathy for her because she has this moment of like, oh, the universe is saved. We don't have to do anything because you're such a monster. Yeah. And then to have that pulled out from under her like that i felt that emotion well here here's where i agree and disagree with you so for me for real for me the 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 thing that i did really like about this movie and attached to in this movie was star lord's story because for Mm. me he was the only one that had an emotional arc that i believed at all and i and i i just i liked his arc it worked for me it felt like an arc over the course of this movie gamora and nebula play into that very well and they each kind of get their own little arcs throughout it that whole guardian side of this did work for me like pretty well anytime we were exploring that part of the story i was pretty okay i was like i i was invested in what was going on I didn't feel like anybody else really had, you know, they touched on arcs that they've been exploring throughout the movies with everybody else, but mm-hmm. nobody had their own arc unto themselves in the movie. Thor kind of does, but it's, uh, it, well, Thor's which was is one of my new... favorite parts of the movie, but yeah. also is kind of unnecessary to the movie. Well, Thor, I mean, first of all, the rule of Avengers movies is that Thor has to leave and figure yes. something yeah. else and come back yeah. and be amazing. Yeah. Um, but the his arc in this is really uh, Denouement from mm-hmm. Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's the difference between this and Civil War. It's yeah. like in Civil War they tried to give everybody a story arc. Yeah. And it it's a mess. Yeah. And like you can follow each of them yeah. and whatever, but it d- doesn't work as a whole. Yeah. Whereas this, they were like, we need to make the whole work, and we might have to like sacrifice yeah. some individual people's stories. I really latched on to Doctor Strange learning how to work with people because yeah. clearly it's just been him and Wong since yeah. whenever his movie happened and right. like. You know, him coming into the Avengers fold, I thought was really interesting. And like he has this kind of, you know, recognition of them as peers where he before just being like he's the Sorcerer Supreme after being the Surgeon Supreme and like, you know, screw everybody else. But so my thing then, so this is where I did. So it's like I do agree. It's like there's parts of the Gamora and the Star-Lord, like all that stuff does kind of work in its own way. The problem is half of the movie is dedicated to a whole other set of characters in Wakanda where just kind of nothing actually happens for like a, to me for like a lot of the movie there's not a lot happening in that sequence that meant anything to me until Thanos finally shows up in that sequence which is really deep you know there's a lot that happens oh, yeah. up to that point in that sequence so if the Thanos thing isn't working for me like if his arc isn't mm-hmm. working for me and half of the movie is dedicated to an arc that is and half of it's dedicated like what am i left with to really like it just like as a whole isn't doing a lot for you know what I mean. I'm spending a lot of the movie without having anything to latch on to. I'm just I'm literally kind of just watching a cartoon. Like I didn't really like the well, opening that, sequence that much because it was the Thanos Hulk fight. I think that was a mistake to be the first fight in the movie because you're literally you're so I was anyway like so aware the whole time. I'm literally watching like a cutscene from a video game. Basically, there's like no weight to that at, at all for I mean, me. They're in space. Uh, see, I like that scene yeah. just because. It actually had like dynamic choreography amongst these two. You know, the, the CGI is whatever, but uh, yeah. the fact that it was, you know, the Hulk, he's just so used to, to smashing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Thanos is like, and, and I also, I love the Star Warsian non committal pronunciation of Thanos, Thanos, Thanos. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's all over the place. But um, yeah, when Thanos shows up and he's just got training as well, like yeah. he knows skills and it just dumbfounds the Hulk, that's, uh, 
that really worked for me, even if the effects were, they weren't bad. I mean, I feel like all of Marvel's effects are sort of middling, but to, to your point about the Wakanda thing, and this is something that um, I put up a piece today on Philadelphia about the sort of just some observations about the movie, but it, it, as I was writing it, it sort of turned into the difference between my two, both positive, but one much more positive experiences with the movie. Mm -hmm. And one of the hardest things to reckon in a movie like that is, if we're being honest, any one of those superheroes, if they used their powers to their fullest ability, could take down Thanos, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Like, are you kidding me? Do you really, really, really think that Doctor Strange couldn't just just kill Thanos? You know, like I know. It's, we watch him like slice people in up. half with those little portals by just closing them around people. Like, it's, yeah. Well, and it, it's exactly. Yeah. It's like Dan. And like so I was. Like, yeah. When they all subdued him and they did that thing where um, that was one of my favorite scenes. I, by I, the way, I liked that. Well, that was so cool and yeah. it was so ridiculous to me because if it failed, they could have just done it again. Yeah. Yep. And they could have just done it again. Yeah. And they could have just done it again until it worked. And that was bugging me the first time around, but it was between viewings that I realized. I have to ask myself the question that I always ask people when they nitpick a movie. Yeah. And it is, is that the movie you want to watch? Right. And, you know, and so it's like, yeah, it makes no sense that Captain America would see fit to punch Thanos. (laughs) It it makes no sense that Thanos would even say, all right, minion, you go do it. Yeah. He can just do it easier than them. Yeah. And it makes absolutely no sense that they would have hordes of monster dogs just to attack Wakanda. Yeah. It makes no sense. But if you want to show me a live action comic book, I do want monster dogs. Yeah. I do want Captain America to punch Thanos. So it comes down to a question of just, you know, what, what is it that you want from the movie? And, you know, I agree with you, especially my first time around, that it's not indefensible to want better characters. Yeah. But, like, the second time around when I realized I just want to see all of these people on on this one screen dipping and zapping through space. Yeah. And on that front, fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it delivered, like, gangbusters. But I don't even think this movie has an airport sequence. They're, like, the closest it has to it is the one you just, uh, for me, is the one you just referenced, Dan, where they subdue oh, yeah. Thanos for a minute. Well, That's the I closest mean, thing it's got to, like, a well-choreographed, fun-to-watch, like, fight sequence. Everything else is mm-hmm. a lot of people, like, the the vision fight at one point is, like, super dark. It's just people zipping around in the sky. It doesn't really look like anything. Uh, the, the Wakanda thing is literally all out war, which this is just a me thing, but like, I've never liked that in movies cause it doesn't mm. look like anything to me. It's just a bunch of bodies on bodies. It, it just, yeah. does, it doesn't look like anything to me. It, yeah. It's boring to, for me to watch. Yeah. And, and I, I well, think, I don't think anybody can touch the, the visual poetry that Whedon has with juggling that many fight narratives. Right. Um, I think the Russos get lucky every once in a while in terms of their action just because they have a good team. Yeah. But I don't think they have much by way of a strong action-based visual language. Yeah. And, I, you know, they, they shot their load at the airport sequence yes. in yeah. Civil War. Well, and there, that Wakanda sequence heavily draws on Helm's Deep from the Lord of the Rings yep. movies. It does, not, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it does not do that influence justice, yeah. I would think, because that, that whole sequence is amazing because... 
every piece of it is a scene of a larger yes. story that's happening. And I can see where they were drawing on that. And mm-hmm. I can see where they were trying it. And I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, it, it's like it mo- it mostly works only because I enjoy seeing all those characters together. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I've just mm-hmm. been, you know, wanting to see them sort of back in action together. And, yeah. you know, it's it's hard because I think I think the, the main criticism I would have of this movie is that, like, there is a bunch of loose ends that like are not tied up from civil war and there's a whole bunch of stuff that they have to do at the beginning to get everybody Mm -hmm. in the place which like normally i don't mind but they don't necessarily do it in a fun way people just show up in the places they need to be and then they move to the next place they need to be and so like the that wheel that like wheel setting doesn't really it's not as poetic as it could be yeah and i think that battle sequence is sort of an extension of that yeah i think to uh to to uh uh, double down on. Uh, wait, hang on. You know, go ahead. I, I forgot how I want to word this. That's fine. That's fine. Take, so like, I got distracted because I'm putting the bunny in his cage. <laughs> that's okay. You take care of that bunny. Yeah. I, I so yes, I, yeah. For me, it just like. So the other thing is like I honestly got, and this is going to sound like way more of an insult than I mean it, but I got a very X Men Three impression from this movie because part of what I mean by this has no airport sequence outside of the subduing Thanos is for all of these characters finally being on screen together, for the most part, we watch them one-on-one fight things. It's very rare that they team up to fight things, and even when they do, outside of that subduing Thanos scene, they don't play off of each other. The joy of the airport sequence, the joy of the opening scene in Days of Future Past is watching these characters use their powers in tandem because... The only way to believe that the threat is so big, Dan, like you were saying, like let's be honest, if any one of them used their powers to the fullest extent, they'd kill him. The only way to believe yeah, the threat could undo this with a fart. Right. The only way to believe that this threat is bigger than them is to actually watch them have to work together and use their powers Absolutely. in tandem to take the threat down. And I felt like it there was totally very missing. little of that in this movie. It was a lot of watching Captain America punch dogs on his own, standing next to Winter Soldier, who's also punching dogs on his own. You know, yeah. there is a I, I, the the one moment of that sort of thing besides the Thanos subduing fight is just, and it was a great gag too when the Winter Soldier picks up. Yes. Uh, fuck. The, the, the joke took over. The, the Winter Soldier yeah. picks up Rocket, and Rocket's just like, he tries to buy the gun, yep. and then yep. he's like, I'm going to get that arm. Yep. That was yep. a great moment. The only problem is, is I don't really like Bucky. I think Bucky's I hate shitty. Bucky too, man. I, I think he's the worst character in this universe. He's so lame. And yes, I've grown to really like that common. actor, but I just, I think yeah. he stinks. Uh, but- oh, and I remember what I was going to say before. I yeah. think it's funny that you compare it to Lord of the Rings. Because I am very impressed by the Lord of the Rings movies, and I do not give a shit about them at all. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I really just, that world is disinteresting to me, almost by nature. Yeah. I've read the books, I've seen the movies, and I just, I never want to go back. So <laughs> anytime that I've, well, anytime that I've ever seen those movies, the battle sequences, while I am, I'm impressed with the craft, it's difficult for me to speak as to whether or not the character works because I'm just kind of not into those characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're disengaged like, so right off the bat. What yeah. you were saying, Ryan, was a lot of the mileage from those fight scenes was gained from you loving these characters. Mm-hmm. And to compare it to Lord of the Rings, I would agree because I would like to watch Infinity War again. And as much as I think, Garrett, your criticisms of that scene are valid and very accurate. Yeah. Um, 
I can force my not force myself, but I find it easier to fall under its spell because I'm much more of a fan of of the brand. Yeah. Uh, in that, not much more than you, but I'm mean, like much more of a fan of the brand of that than say no, Lord of the Rings, where it's like whatever. And uh, yeah, so that was the thing I forgot about when putting the bunny away. Yeah. yeah, and I think the other the other issue with that Wakanda scene is that we just got a similar scene in Black Panther. Yes, and that scene had war rhinos. Yes, in it. I know. I kept thinking the whole time, where the fuck are the rhinos? How are you not using them in the sequence? Yeah, so I I think. And weirdly, I would say, like, you know, Ryan Coogler, in my opinion, is a, is a much superior filmmaker yeah. by a lot of measures than the Russo brothers. Yeah. And they really had a tough oh, act to follow. Yeah. Um, but I agree. Like, a lot of the joy in uh, the last, that amazing fight scene in Avengers, yeah. or even the Sokovia stuff yeah. in Age of Ultron, like, that's something that Joss Whedon really gets. Yeah. And I don't know that the Russos, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if they think about that sort of, like, puzzle solving in yeah. a way that we even see in that scene where they're all going yes. at Thanos at the same time yeah. where it's like, well, Drax has these knives, so he's got to use the knife yeah. and this and yeah. then that and the other thing. So, you know, there's a couple, like it definitely gets better once Thor shows up. Yeah. I um, agree. And that, that moment really works. It's great. Um, yeah. And then from there on you get the like, I am Groot. I am Steve yeah, Rogers. That's and, really like, good. You get all yeah. those, like yeah. you get, start to get those moments. I love all those moments, but there's a lot, there's a bit of wheel spiel, spinning. It, yeah. I think watching it at least the first couple of times, it didn't, it doesn't hit me because I'm so anxious about like not getting back to those other parts, but like still trying to take it in. Cause there are yeah. so many people running around, yeah. but it, I don't disagree that it could have been better. Yeah, I just I want it all to mean something. And I feel like with Iron Man, they really established that like this universe is about more than just people in costumes mm-hmm. firing guns at each other or punching each other. And they kind of continued that through their first wave of movies, that these movies have something going on underneath the hood. And then even into this, you know, my favorite movie is still The Winter Soldier because that the, is the one that I think is like the tr- should be the true template for like this movie is really about something, uh, and it's still a great superhero movie that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also part of why I like it so much. Is I, I honestly I have no idea who directed that movie at this point because <laughs> I don't know how that action looks so good compared to what the Russo brothers have done since. But the the it just I feel like they ev- they every once in a while get away from that idea that the movie can be about something beyond just the superheroics. And every time they've done that is when they've kind of lost me with their movies. Well, I will say that in watching the last wave, I, I did discover that they sort of took the, uh, they they did like a morphed template of the, with great power comes great responsibility. I agree. And it starts, it starts in Iron Man three where he learns that just because he has a suit, doesn't mean that he's worthy of the suit. And yep. that whole thing is all about him learning that in order to be the best Iron Man, he must first be the best Tony Stark. I yeah. love that. Um, that comes back. He he literally says that to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're nothing without that suit, you shouldn't have it. Yep. In Ragnarok, uh, Thor loses his hammer, and Odin says, what are you, the god of hammers? You're the god of thunder. You don't yeah. need that hammer. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, so they kind of did that, and I think you know, since the mo of something like Infinity War can't be based in showing us something new, there, there's nothing new to show us. There's mm-hmm. nothing that we haven't seen that that exists in a comic book, at least in like you know a, a spectacle sense. So mm-hmm. they're just giving us more. That's all they're going to do. They're going to cram as much in there as possible, which I think they do a really good job with that. So in that sense, and in that sense of you know what I'm saying with the. Uh, Without the suit, you're nothing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they they morph it one step further with Spider-Man's line where he says, how can I be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there is no neighborhood? Right. And so now we're facing all of these heroes that are defined by their costumes, by their mm-hmm. heroism. And we're at a point where they're going to be reduced to, you know, their powers aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, nothing's, of course, when this all comes together, because it's such a cop-out that they're not calling that Infinity War 2, because that's what it's going to be. Yeah, when yeah, it all yeah. comes together, naturally, what, what are they going to have learned? They're going to have learned that none of them are good by themselves. They're better as a team. And yeah. when the Avengers all team up, then they're going to do it. You know, they're disparate now, but the OG Avengers are all still alive. Mm-hmm. They're going to team up, and they're all going to complete that arc of, we have this great power, we have this great responsibility, and that compounds when we work together. Yeah, uh, I think in that sense, Infinity War does carry that theme. I just think that it's incomplete, which of course begs the question, do we judge it in a vacuum or not? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And and so that's, you know, one of my other big problems with this movie is uh, and this I know that this is kind of a me problem too. It's I'm the kind of movie nerd that knows about release schedules and announcements and stuff, but like in order for this ending to impact me, I get that the the impact it has on the characters is really what matters. But I don't know why I feel this way, but I just this is how I felt coming out of the movie. It didn't impact me because I knew most of those characters already have announced sequels. So this is not real death by any means, and it's kind of meaningless. So what? So to me, it was like, well, then the stakes of this movie are nothing because it doesn't mean anything. Everybody gets to come back. Right. And so mm-hmm. a, a couple things to that is like one. Uh, I'm, you're definitely not the only person to feel that way. Yeah. Obviously, like uh, sci-fi author, I really like John Scalzi. He yeah. had a whole write-up about basically the same thing, where yeah. he's like, "Well, I know that Spider-Man, un- Untitled Spider-Man: Homecoming sequel comes out next summer, so yeah. like, obviously, Spider-Man is in it." Yeah. Um, I mean, in th- like, then you could really extrapolate and be like, "Well, maybe that's a Miles Morales origin sure. story," but we yeah. like, for yeah. all intents and purposes, it's yeah. probably not. Yeah. That and Guardians are the only ones that are officially announced. Mm-hmm. But, like, we also know that, you know, Black Panther makes a billion dollars. Yeah. T'Challa is going to be back. Yeah. So, you know, I think for me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not as puzzled. I'm not as much puzzled by that reaction as I am to the people who are, like, wailing and, like, ripping their clothes yeah. in sadness. Yeah. Like, like there, there was a kid that um, a friend of mine, like, uh, like, wrote into, like, their kid is, like, 11 or whatever, mm-hmm. and they, like, cry themselves to sleep because Spider-Man <laughs> faded into dust. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. This Disney movie fucked up that kid's whole night. But, like, that's how I want to feel. That is how I want right. to feel at the and end I, of this movie. And I'm going to say, I know it's impossible for you to feel that way. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I know it's impossible for me to feel that way because yeah. I know these characters are coming back. Like, yeah. the first... Like, I'm engaging with this movie on a different level the first time I watch it when yeah. I know I have to write about it because I can't, my brain can't sink into enjoying the movie yeah. because I'm moving all the pieces around on the board and trying to think about the comics that they're referencing yeah. and all those kinds of pieces. Like, yeah. it's just how my brain is pulling it together. Yeah. Uh, and then the second time I can really, like, just sit back and take it in for what it is. Yeah. Um, so, like, I wasn't, the one, the one scene that got me was, the Scarlet Witch destroying the vision. Yeah. Because to me, that is the theme of the movie, which mm-hmm. is sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. You know, and the value, we don't trade lives. And yeah. like that comes comes up a couple times. Yeah. So for me, it's about what those characters are feeling and trying to connect to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel for the most part that it works, but obviously I have an extra textual connection to these characters yeah. based on reading comic books for years. That's the thing I do too. That's why I feel so weird being the one that doesn't like this because like, yeah. I should be the one that likes it. I mm-hmm. love these characters. But my big thing is exactly what you're saying, which is 
I don't have that emotional investment in these characters in this movie because like especially like Vision and Scarlet Witch it's been like six movies since they've even popped up to say hello uh I guess not it's been like four or something like that yeah Civil War I think was the last it, one that it's been two years right and <laughs> Which, so yeah and, and, and a bunch of movies in yeah, between. yeah and and it's just that to me is where I wonder whether this actually does work for movies mm-hmm. because I have to have carried with me a bunch of emotional weight from 10 years of movies to get here and believe that these moments mean anything. Cause this movie's not going to reset the table for me. And I get why not. Um, it's probably better for it to some extent that it doesn't reset the table, but without resetting the table, I don't bring that investment with me. I wish that I could, but I don't, I watch a hundred movies every year. And right. in, in the different, you know, to me, it's like, this feels like television on the big screen uh, and I don't know if that's good. That like concerns me a little bit because the thing about television, it comes out every week or now it just comes out in a big dump. And so I don't need to commit 30 hours to rewatching a bunch of stuff before I see the next installment. I'm literally doing that as it goes. I'm, I can carry that emotional weight because that needle is constantly being thread. This isn't being thread frequently enough and it shouldn't be. I don't want a new Marvel movie every week. Right. Um, I, in fact, don't really want three a year, it turns out. You know what I mean? Like, that's already kind of exhausting. Uh, I feel like the format of movies is the runtime dictates that it has to be, in order to get a big emotional impact out of it, you have to pack a lot in and do it just right. Otherwise, that impact doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And having to make a movie where that impact is actually supposed to have been built by a bunch of other of those experiences, I don't know if that works. At least for me, it so far has proven to a lot of times be Rocky at best, you know? Yeah. I mean... What about Rocky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, Rocky's I, I an example a of a... Lo- yeah, go ahead. Well, I took a TV writing class a long time ago when I was in college, and the one thing that always stuck with me that they said was, a movie has to be the most important moment of your character's life. Right. A TV show, all you have to do is make sure that you have a decent enough arc that doesn't change the character so much so that if you miss an episode, it's still the same. Right. So, like, at the end of a movie, everything's supposed to be different. At the end of a TV show, everything is supposed to be exactly as it was when you picked up the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always got to be a reset. And so, in this giant MCU project, which is, you know, everything new that they do is going to be an experiment because this is yes. this is very new ground every yeah. single time. Um, all of their movies had to have that finite, complete ending, at least in the first wave and a half. Yeah. Um, where it compl- it's the most important part of their life. It's their origin or it's a tough battle that they had to fight and all that stuff. And so in the last wave and a half, it is dissolved into sort of a, a, a modulation of that TV format mm-hmm. where it's the the world itself wrapping around this hero does have to be set at a level enough playing field that we can insert a new character or have them all fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Infinity War is kind of stuck in that it it is part one of two. It is part 19 of mm-hmm. and counting. And it has to be this, this, it has to follow the rules of both movie and TV in that it has to have a ending so that it can be called Infinity War, boom, and so it delivered that ending. Mm-hmm. But it also has to make sure that next time around, 
you know, there's still things to do. Yeah. And of course, not everyone's going to be dead. Yeah. And so when you think about it in terms of that function, you know, it's one of those, and I, I use this term that you said to me once, it's got to please so many masters. That yeah. It's a wonder they please any at all. Yeah. And <laughs> once again, it comes down to lines of taste where if you, if it doesn't please you, like, yeah, I fucking get it. That's yeah, yeah. just, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, and to quote Ryan's review, it's it's not so much a flaw as it's just a fact of the movie's existence. Yeah, well, but so here here's the really big question I wanted to get to, and I think this is a good time to get to it with this, is like, okay, so why does it matter to me so much that it feels like a television show on movie screens? Like, why is why is that something I'm complaining about in particular? And truly my fear with that is like, I think it has been to the benefit of television for television to become more cinematic. I think Lost mm-hmm. really changed the game on the way we we see serialized storytelling in the modern era. Uh, it's a much more cinematic show than we had ever had before, and it changed that as well. Uh, and I think oh, Breaking Bad changed everything. Yes, and and I think the way those shows look is is uh, uh, you know they owe a debt to cinema for the way the, those shows look. Um, but Absolutely. the thing that they do that I think is unique to TV because of the release schedule, specifically, basically is they can tell serialized stories and they work because we can just kind of tune in as we go. We can keep building that story over time. It, the, they're, it, it just works for that format, right? Whereas movies don't have the same kind of release schedule. Their run t- because of that, their run times are different and I think dictate a more focused story in order to get some kind of emotional impact out of them. And my fear is if... I think it's been to the benefit of TV that they're becoming more cinematic. I think that's helping television. I don't think it would be to the benefit of cinema to become more like television. Because one of my fears is we're going to lose theatrical exhibition. That is a fear that I have, that that's something in my lifetime that will happen. And I think as movies skew closer to feeling like TV, we run the risk of people realizing that's what's happening and just waiting to watch it on their TVs. Like, so far, this is a hard argument to make. I don't want to say that that's a baseless concern, but I I think movies are not going anywhere. Um, And it's a mix, though, because on the one hand, yes, uh, Infinity War feels like TV, but also, yes, they filled every fucking scene. Right, I mean, it's a hard argument to make because they're selling more tickets than they ever have. Something like Black Panther... The weekend before Infinity War came out, I went to see Black Panther months after its release, and the theater was packed. Yeah. So yeah. I think that if people have a reason to go thematically, that will draw them to the seats. When it comes to big screen spectacle, I think that's what we might lose. Yeah. I think what, and not lost in terms of they don't make it anymore, but lost in terms of that's not the draw to the big screen. Right. Um, we were all burned by Avatar when we told it was going to be next level, and then we got there, and it was very neat. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's like no movie is selling you on this is big, 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 big Sunday, Sunday, you know, nobody, I think that's what's going to fade, but theatrical exhibition, I, I don't think that's going to fade. Right, um, but if the stories start to become more like TV, I like I I will lament the loss of the movie as a more concise storytelling device. I don't want that to go away. And I feel like if it skews so much towards TV where it becomes, because the problem right now is these are the only things making money. These like big interconnected stories like Star Wars and, you know, uh, and and not the only thing, but we're getting there. It feels like we progressively get closer to these are the things that really make money. And 
You know, them, it's going to burn out of favor too. Taste I hope is so. Change. Yeah. Cause, well, because like Spielberg said that about westerns. He said right. westerns were if anybody with a fucking bucket of sand made a western because they were hot. And then for forty years there was nary a western to be seen. Yeah. You know, and you know, and then then time filters out which ones are the cinema and which ones are the schlock. Yeah. And as much as these are pumping out, like. Uh, we've already they've they've already tried and failed to launch both a Ghostbusters universe and a Dark universe. Right, and that was less, that was that was <laughs> I know RIP. That was a, that was a less a fault of. I mean, it is a fault of like the design in some way, but it was mostly due to just is that really what people want to go watch? Right, and so like right now, I think Avengers. And Star Wars are definitely going to be the two universes that will plug away until it's just so over that nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen to Star Wars, but yeah, I, right. I just think as, as as tastes change, that that concern is going to look like a different concern. It's going to look like a different concern. Yeah, you know, it takes back to the whole idea when people say, "Oh, there's no good movies anymore," and we say, "Yes, there's plenty." You just they just don't get advertised to you, but yeah. they do exist, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like, yeah, I would lament if movies started looking like TV, but I think at worst, superhero movies will start looking like TV, and then something else will come into favor, you know? I hope yeah. so. Uh, I was reading that. And I hope so. That's the thing. Time will tell. I, I, I ain't got no motherfucking time stone. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I want to get into that, by the way. We'll, go, we'll yeah. get back to an Infinity War detail that I really need I just, to discuss. Um, but yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I just think that... The, Tastes will dictate what sticks around, and the fact of the matter is, is a good movie is something that everyone can appreciate. And yeah. I, I, I understand the concern and fear, and it's not invalid, but I don't think it's time to panic yet. I yeah. think uh, not to sound too much like Ron Paul, but let the market decide. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think in like 1952 to 300 westerns came out that I, year. I heard about that. Yeah, the so other like day. we're nowhere near like saturation point yeah. theoretically, anyway. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think what it is is that there's, like, to me, the Marvel stuff doesn't feel like TV because it's not the same people every time. It's not the same mm-hmm. settings every time. Mm-hmm. There's not really a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's not really, like, they're they're interlinked, which is a different thing. That, like, Infinity War really isn't you know chapter nineteen right. in the Marvel novel. It's yeah. like it's a it's really a different thing it's a, to me it's a hybrid yes it pulls some stuff from tv yeah but it's not it's not the same as tv because yeah. like breaking bad is the story of walter white yeah you know what i mean and yeah. to me that's why like when you brought up the fast movies those yeah. feel like tv because those feel like i can pop in and watch an episode and then and like the status quo ends up Wait, being what, the same what movie are you referring to fast and furious I, I couldn't hear. fast the, and furious the fa- family oh, Fam- fast and furious yeah. okay yeah yeah the greatest soap yeah. opera ever yeah right and and it's a soap opera in the sense that like the end of the movie the beginning of the movie is like someone comes to dom with a problem and the yeah. end of the movie they're sitting around a table yeah having a meal together and like it doesn't bother me but to me that feels more like what i think of as tv where like the it really gets reset at the end of every single thing yeah whereas like the marvel stuff feels more like the serialized tv but also still not yet because it's not that singular story threading all the way through it's a bunch of things weaving in and out of them yeah it's just a different thing and that's to me like it's hard for me to say they feel like tv because they feel like it it is a different it's comic storytelling that's the only thing i can compare it to because that's what it is right yeah but and then so that's true it is a comic book yeah oh totally this is new ground this This feels like a big crossover there's no comparison yeah yeah and there's there's no comparison point beyond that right 
And see, I think that's where I ultimately came out positive on it. And I wrote this in my in my piece was just like I've read. Uh, I was never like I didn't read comic books uh, aggressively like in a serialized format growing up. But I would pick up a trade paperback, or I would pick up the giant crossover events, and almost maybe just because that was my window into comics, this this felt so true to that. I just you know, there's not 30 side issues that you can dip into if you want more, because you know that's a movie. But uh, you know, and I guess that goes back to your question, Garrett: Is that how we define a movie? And I think the answer, at least in my estimation, is for the MCU. Yes. Right. But and that what it brings it what it really brings me back around to is my larger question of is are movies even a format that actually work for the design of comic books? Like are comic books unique unto themselves and maybe they don't actually make a whole lot of sense as movies. Not that you can't make a comic book movie, right. but trying to create like issue by the same sort of thing that you do by telling a story over yeah. issue by issue yeah, by issue. Yeah. Right. I, like, does that actually work in movies? I mean, and for me so well, far... The answer, once again, is does it work for you? Right, exactly. I don't think there could be an objective no, version. And it's you, like, you're right. If you're willing to make peace with what it is, it might work for you better if it does. But if you if you can't make peace with what it is, you're not wrong, but it's a matter of taste. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, and that's the thing is like, I do always enjoy these movies. It's why I feel weird being cr- uh, critical of them because I do enjoy them. I'm able to sit back and enjoy it for mm-hmm. what it is, but I still then have that overriding critical thought about like, yeah, but these still don't do it for me the way most movies do it for me. Right. And why is that? Absolutely. What well, is the disconnect? I would, I would agree that this didn't do it for me in that sense. Yeah. Um, it's just when I learned what I was watching and how to watch it, I realized that it's it's pretty successful at what I believe it's trying to do. I, and I don't disagree with that. I just, because I don't get the same feeling out of them that I get out of most movies, I feel like it's worth investigating. Like, why is that? What is yeah, different about these yeah. that is not working for me? And I think it is just, it's a too prolonged, uh, there, there's just, I can't carry the emotional commitment I need to carry into these movies because of the prolonged nature of trying to tell them in movies. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that it does. Makes perfect sense. It's not wrong at all. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's. I mean, there's only two people that have figured out how to tell comic book stories like this on the through movies, yeah. and it's Marvel, yeah. and Kevin Smith, right? Yes, yeah. Like and yeah. like, which totally makes sense given that Kevin Smith is a huge comic yeah. book nerd. But yeah. like DC can't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Universal can't figure it out. Like. Yeah. Because the thing is, they're trying. It's like they're putting the cart before the horse. Like yeah. you have to build the the one to get the universe, yep. and you can't. You can just you can world build all you want, yep. but like until you get a story, you don't have Harry Potter. You have to invest people in it first, right? Yeah. And like you have to make the one good because you have to get the audience mm-hmm. buy in. And like honestly, this Marvel stuff—the fact that it has gone on for as long as it has it's been successful—it's it's a miracle. It's honestly, crazy. it's and it's it's the exception to me. To me, it's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I'm invested in these characters partially for extra te- yeah. extra textual reasons. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's I still think like I think for the amount of screen time that they get, the Scarlet Witch Vision stuff works really well. Yeah, given how much like the percentage of time we spend with them over however many hours this universe yeah. has existed for, like I think it's pretty effective. I don't it's give a, short, a but it's shit a, about them. At but all. it's a shorthand. Yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it's a shorthand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Those definitely. They're both made magic out of nothing. Yeah, exactly. and they're very good in this movie, I think, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, um, yeah, I, I, I wish I could feel that way, but I, I just have trouble with that. And it, it is that thing where it's like, 
what I don't want to say at the end of this conversation, and it's okay to be somebody that feels this way, but is like, yeah, you know what? I can make an excuse for those. That's just what they are. I don't see why they can't be better movies. Like any movie oh, could be a really right. good movie. I guess what I'm saying is it's a choice. They're not yeah. making that. They're, they're making this kind of movie. Yeah. And it's like uh, part of it is me trying to evaluate them for what they're attempt for what I yeah. feel like they're attempting to do yeah. rather than like. And I think they're pretty successful as yeah. far as that goes. You know what I mean? They're yeah. trying to be the roundest circle yeah. versus the squarest square. Yeah. And like I'm trying to evaluate them on that on that basis. Yeah. And like. You know, to me, by that measure, they're very successful. Yeah. Do I th- could they be more successful? Certainly. And yeah. do I think? But I don't know if there's a way to get the kind of storytelling together. Yeah. That like I don't know like if they had just made this Age of Ultron and the first Avengers movie, mm-hmm. if, if if that would even work. I don't like yeah. I don't know how you get to a, how to get to C from A. Right. You know what I mean? And it's so yeah. like. So I think that's where my struggle is. Is mm-hmm. like I think by by the measure of the thing, it's working really well. That may, thing may not work for you in movies, yeah. and th- that's totally fine. That's yeah. just that's just a taste thing. Yeah, and I know yeah. it's frustrating because yeah, you yeah. Ha- you want to like. I them. love these characters so much, and and when they make and they have made quite a few good movies, I think over the yeah. course of this that are like truly good movies. And it's when they focus in, and it's like about a character, and they have a real arc, and it, you know. When the stakes are personal, these movies really work, I think. Right. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Ryan, over Facebook today because, again, we're trying to avoid spoilers for everybody yeah, else. Yeah. So we're all like individually messaging people. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "How? why am I enjoying Marvel so much more than Star Wars? And I was yeah. like, I feel like you have that backwards because... There's, I like Star Wars way more than Marvel. They're apples and oranges, really, yeah. because they're trying to do two different things. Like, yeah. For Star Wars, there's no source material. Right. So, like, when a movie comes out, that's the thing. Yeah. And yes, like, they have the novels and the TV shows mm-hmm. and the comics. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying all that peripheral material mm-hmm. that's sort of like filling in these gaps mm-hmm. and like making these other mm-hmm. connections around and yeah. introducing new characters yeah. that may show up later. Like, mm-hmm. there's a comic book that came out this month that has a character that was introduced on a TV show. And, like, the tie-in novel for the Han Solo movie is probably better than what the movie, my expectations for the movie are. So like, but it's a different thing because the movies are the spine of that. Whereas to me, like the comics are still the spine of the Marvel thing. And so like the only two times a Marvel movie has surprised me were Iron Man three with the Mandarin and Spider-Man homecoming with the vulture uh, being Liz Allen's dad, Mm -hmm, because those mm -hmm. are, that's things they change from the comic books that are like kind of big things that worked really well in those movies. Yeah. Also because they're not built as mysteries within right. the movie. It's yeah. just that it is it a happens. literal twist. Yeah. Um, and I don't come to these movies to be surprised. Whereas yeah. like the first time I saw Last Jedi, yeah. I felt more emotions watching that movie in Force Awakens than I've felt watching all 19 Marvel movies. I agree. But I don't expect the Marvel movies to make me feel uh, that I same way. I want them way. to. It's not wrong to want that. That's yeah. what I'm trying to tell, yeah. tell you. Yeah. It's not wrong to want that. I want to be as excited <laughs> by these movies as I am a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And I think the reason Star Wars works, honestly, is every movie does same way with the Fast and Furious universe. They reset the table a little bit. They, they Every movie, they reset the table, and then they give every character some kind of arc yeah. over the course of the movie. And, and you know what? That's true, because they just finished today's war. Right, and then tomorrow we do the next war, and yeah. like yeah, there's character threads that can that continue. Yep. But um, for the most part, and especially with this last, I mean, we're all pretty, we're all still pretty, like you know, teary eyed over just how wonderful Ryan Johnson managed to to not just you know not just reset the table but turn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and we're not. I, I, it's not as baked into into our culture 
quite yet because like there is what am I trying to say? When even when the prequels started coming out, there was a certain expectation as to what is Star Wars? Yeah, you know, yeah. What is this? What is this brand of Star? And I think that with Marvel, Marvel ultimately tried to not have a certain brand to them and almost accidentally got the improper brand associated to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like the look of a Marvel movie is a certain thing that yeah. while I enjoy it, I find particularly bland, whereas like <laughs> the agree. look of a Star Wars sort of really grabs me. Yeah. And uh, I guess what I'm questioning is like how much of that is just the fact that when Infinity, Infinity War starts, the Marvel Studios logo drops a 10 on the I and the O. Yeah, I saw that years you know and like honestly 10 years ago i never would have believed you that this would ever happen i agree and whereas star wars my whole life there was a certain yeah. way that that should look and a way that it should be and what it should capture and you know of course people disagree on on what that means as we saw with the reception like i don't think there's enough marvel out there to even de- like in cinematic form to even determine like what is it as a distinct brand you know, as a part of what it accidentally is. Yeah, Does which that make sense? you kind of are, but that's interesting because there's literally twice as many Marvel movies as there are Star Wars movies right now. So, oh, like, yeah. there should he's be a, a more defined... Of of time. Yeah. yeah, there should be a defined thing. But that's the other thing, I guess you're right, is, like, the short amount of time it's all come in makes it a little more up in the air. And that's... I honestly... I still hope that, like, as they move into the next phase... They go a little more the direct. I thought Phase Three worked really well for the most part because it seemed a little more director focused. Mm-hmm. I thought the voices yeah. of the creators were coming through a little more. The stories Absolutely. felt a little more centered on the characters themselves rather than the interconnected nature of the story. I thought that all really mm-hmm. worked, and I sort of hope that that's their vision for the future of these. That they're a little more individualized until we get to the big events. Yeah, I think the template mm-hmm. for. Uh, phase three going forward is your your Black Panther, your Ant Man, and yep. your like like I get kind of the Captain America movies. Like yeah. you're, you're going to get the ones that like sort of concern themselves with the bigger picture and, yeah. move, and moving the ball forward. Yeah. But like Ant Man and Black Panther, like Black Panther is totally its own thing. Yep. And then Ant Man uses the established universe yep. to, as a backdrop for a new story. I think Iron Man three is actually one of the best examples of that. Using yeah. the history of this universe in a way that is very effective, where you don't have to remember the details necessarily, yep. but the thematic weight of what has happened to Tony is what fuels the story of Iron Man three. Yeah, exactly. So I think those are gonna be the templates moving forward yeah. because I, I think they're gonna I think they are in the middle of a course correction. And yeah. I think they're getting more and more comfortable with not only pushing the limits of what people think of as a yes. Marvel movie, but also the voices behind them. Yes. And I really, I, I think they're going to make a lot of progress kind of moving forward. So like, yeah. I'm excited about the future. I'm still invested and I'm in, I just, I do lament that these movies often leave me like a little bit wanting where I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I just feel like I, I keep saying this and I know it's a dumb comment, but it's like, I feel like I'm watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. It, Absolutely. It, it's hard well, because I think too. Like, go ahead, Dan. I said, I think that Infinity War, if anything, feels more like a Phase 2 movie than a Phase 3 movie. I agree with that, yeah. And I think it's because Phase 2, really, you could feel the learning curve of how are we going to build this. Yes, yeah. And I think Infinity War, by its very nature of just being the newest new thing and the biggest big thing, also has that feeling of just like, well, we don't quite know what what we're doing yet even yeah. though we do know what we're doing you know it's like ryan said every single one of these right now is is a brand new experiment basically mm-hmm. um and to quote that guy on twitter it's 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 a uh block it's a 
was a, an experimental personal film <laughs> disguised as a multi-billion dollar blockbuster. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of want to... Did either of you read the... Uh, did you either of you read Jacob Knight's piece? I did. On birth, movies, death? Oh, which which one did he write? I think I did. He wrote the one that defended the idea that that even just on a brand level, this captures the wonder. And he related it to the story of when he first saw Predator 2. Oh, yes. I and did. in oh, Predator yeah. 2, they hint at the alien skull. Yes. And I, not to reduce it's a really great piece. And not to, like, reduce it or to even mischaracterize it, but, like, the way that I read it, um, I just got the thing that he, he just sort of felt similarly to me, where it's, like, the value is in just, like, <laughs> they fucking did it. You know, like, yeah, this, yeah. The biggest movie ever is a fucking nerd sandbox filled with all of the toys I grew up with. And this is the kind of shit that we used to, like, you know, get made fun of for just, like, for sure. it, it seems like a stupid thing. These are mainstream, the mainest of all the streams. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I agree. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting because, like, I never talked about how much I like comics when I was in high school. Right. And, like, it wasn't until I found my people in college where yeah. I was like, oh, my God, by the way, I read comic books. Yeah. We're all the age that we straddle that generation that yeah. grew up being hated for being a nerd and then suddenly was totally fine being but a nerd. everyone's coming with me to see Spider-Man opening yeah. weekend. Yeah. like, And so, like, we've fully made that transition. Yeah. Um, you know, and f- finally, the oppressed white geek has won. <laughs> but, like, um, you know, I... There is still something magical about that, that like dudes at work who like, you know, they're cool. They play hockey on the weekends while I like sit and write about movies. And they're like, hey, what what movies do I have to watch before I see Infinity War? (laughs) Do I need to see Black Panther? Do I need to see Thor Ragnarok? Like, you know, so there's a little bit of like social fun still in that, you know, in, in that kind of juice that like the biggest thing in the world is something that like. I literally like we would talk about as kids being like, oh, what if they made these movies for these individual heroes? And yep. then they all met up. Yep. We got a fucking Justice League movie last year and nobody gave a shit. I know. And like I still <laughs> like I think the fact that, you know, these movies exist and that not only that they're popular, but there is there is as much craft as there is put into them. Like mm-hmm. I will say, like with one or two exceptions, like the digital effects in this are really a step above any of the other Marvel movies. <sighs> I think I don't know I about agree. that. It's really good. Did so, you see it in IMAX? It, no. But so this was, first of all, 100% filmed in IMAX yeah. for that aspect ratio. Yeah. And with the bright, the brightness of those bulbs, it looks incredible. Maybe I need to see it that way. I will agree with that. Anytime I that, went and saw an IMAX 3D, and I was fully expecting the 3D to just be just turds. Yeah. And honestly, it looked pretty fantastic. Like, because yeah. the thing is, I do get what you're saying, Garrett, in that the like the quality that the 3D chooses to take uh, seems sort of cartoony. But I almost think of that as a choice as opposed to a concession made out of a limitation. Yeah, I don't think that movie faced any financial limitations. I mean, they got you know, no, I my, they got God's money. My problem with the effects in this is like at least I saw it in two D, and at least on my screen, like anytime Thanos was alone in the frame, he looked incredible. He looked amazing, and it was like really great motion capture. Anytime he interacted with anything, I felt like I was watching something from 1995. It did not look like he was making contact or anything was making contact with anybody he was picking up, anybody he was touching. It never looked it like, and like, I don't even mean like I was trying to watch, because I actually don't focus that much on that stuff. It stood out to me the moment he picked Loki up in the first scene. It was like so apparent. You know what? I couldn't stop I was watching ask it. that because I noticed it there too. Yeah. That was, I, I noticed, I know that exact shot 
Um, and it's weird because it, it's it's such a weirdly noticeable way that Loki's body moves. Yeah. But I yeah. couldn't decide whether it was like a wonky effect of trying to merge digital and real, or if it was like a purposeful, you know, like digital uh, shimmer to try and make it look more real than it had had than it would have done without it. And I think. To me, what I think it was was they put that weird little wobble, wobble and shimmer on it to make it look better than it probably did without that, mm-hmm. and ultimately highlighted it by putting that wobbly shimmer on it. Yeah, yeah. I, and then like, I couldn't stop seeing it, that throughout the movie. It just the whole movie was yeah, full of I that kind of stuff. I saw that one, and I saw a couple of the floating heads. Dude, there's a I bunch of like scenes where is, Tony's head does not look like it's connected I, to his body. I, I will say, for, you know, that, that's yeah. been in all of these movies. I always See, I've never noticed, noticed it before. Every last one of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've always noticed it, and so like it's almost become a fact of, of life for me. For them. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't want to say that it's flawless. I'm yeah. just saying like they always have problems, and yeah. this to me had the least problems given the amount of stuff that's happening. Yeah. I will say Mark Ruffalo's yeah, head in the uh, Iron Man armor that to me looked the worst. There, that Loki shot is there's like it's like a half second that looks like crap, but yeah. like. You know, it's um, Thanos to me looked pretty good. Like when he's like touching Gamora's hair and stuff, and yeah. they got the strands of hair to move in the right way. Like it, it's really impressive. It looked better on in IMAX than it did. That's what at I'm the, wondering at if the, the bright screening. bulbs would actually really, change that. And, yeah, uh, and that's part. It of, looks better in IMAX. Yeah. But if I've learned anything over the last like four or five months, it's gonna look great on my phone. Yeah, I know. Uh, yes, yeah, that's a whole so other thing I lament. But yeah. I, so I, I do kind of want to wrap this up. I'd like to keep this a tight episode. So this is, if you guys don't mind, this is where I'd like to end. I, re- I feel like I did a pretty some good, nerd ass shit. Well, yeah, I feel like I did a pretty good job of being able to criticize this movie without nitpicking it, you mm-hmm. know, because it, I, I don't necessarily like nitpicking these movies. I don't think that helps them. It's like you say, Dan, it's like, what did you yeah. want? You know, can, was, I be, can I just be awful and derail you for half a second? Yeah, sure. This is going to get thematically deep, so I just want to burn this real fast. Okay. I think Chris Pratt very clearly did not want to be there, and that bothered me. Okay. And um, I think that the direction they've taken Banner to make him aloof, goofy, and kind of dumb doesn't work for me. I that's agree, all I got. I agree with the Banner criticism. And I even kind of... Pratt has seemed a little absent from the movies he's been in to me lately. I've he's heard tired, that... man. He's not The Rock. He can't do this. Well, I've also heard that he like joined some weird Hollywood religious cult after... Oh, and that's part of what led to his divorce and all that kind of... I, I think he's just weird and going through some weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he's got, he's got a great agent though because he gets the end credit. Yes, like the I saw end that. Chris Pratt, and yeah. I was like, "Damn, yeah. Chris!" Like, I saw that, that's but good. that's the thing though. His character, I thought, had the best arc. It was the best written arc in the movie. So even though he was like a little yeah, half-assing it, written. yeah, even though yeah. he was a little half-assing it, he worked better for me than most people in this movie, just because his character had something to do. Um, and you know, what? James Gunn wrote the bulk of their dialogue. So yeah, that's yeah. also I think. Those portions feel fresh because they were they were touched upon by a different hand. I, I think so. Uh, so okay. So this but is anyway. I didn't mean to derail. No, that's fine because yeah, yeah. this fl- this flows right in fine. My big nerdy nitpick about this movie that I think actually does go beyond the well. What did you want to happen? Is that Thanos uses the time stone to turn back time and bring Vision back to life so that he can take the Soul Stone? Is that what that one mind. is? The Mind Stone, right? Yep. Uh, here's the thing, though. The way they depict that happening is that he only turns back time for specifically vision. Everyone else keeps moving forward through time while he's able to specifically reverse just vision's death so that he can basically re-kill him. But what that means is 
just like like I already was like, well, the stakes there's no stakes to this ending with everybody disappearing. And then when I thought back to that, I was like, well, they already told me that there's no stakes anywhere in this universe ever at all because the time stone allows you to just bring somebody back from the dead with no other consequences. And my memory of yeah, Doctor, uh, but my memory of Doctor <laughs> Strange is when he uses the time stone, there are consequences. Time also <laughs> time everywhere gets manipulated by the use of the time yeah. stone. Thus, there are consequences. It's not in conjunction with all of the other stones. Uh, yeah, I, well, that re- exactly. So in it, the Infinity Countdown storyline that's currently happening in yeah. Marvel, which is actually like so far, it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, um, they changed the name. This is the first time they're calling them stones in the comics because yeah. before they were gems. Gems, and yeah. they they have this chart now where like if you have this stone and this, it reinforces the stone. And mm-hmm. so like I think to Dan's point, having the reality stone yeah. and the time stone together, yeah. like. They didn't show it. I do like how they lit up which yes. stone he was yeah. using at any given moment, mm-hmm. but maybe they didn't do it there. Right. I did think of that, and that was my like out yeah. for it, is that like, well, with the reality stone or the space stone yeah. or whatever he can yeah. like or the soul stone, maybe yeah. it's like Vision's soul that he's yeah. turning back time on or whatever. Mm-hmm. So to me, like that that's that's an out for that. It's not an out though, well, because honestly, at the end of this movie, well, the gauntlet still exists, does it not? With all we the don't stones. See it. I mean, we it, it's well, damaged. Yeah, and I don't think the that, stones are going to survive. Scene doesn't be- need an out. I don't think it needs an out because, to me, when he turned back, just vision, that moment read very strongly. Where I went, "Holy shit, he's powerful!" No, no, no I know, but he then, had limited time. That, that, but know, then like death it, is it meaningless like in this universe. But then death is yeah, meaningless yeah, in I mean, this universe. You know, Superman flies backwards around the world and rewinds time, and you know, and why did they? Why did Captain America punch that? You know, it's. it's it's all like, you know, when people nitpick walks, yeah. the only answer is, yeah, because it's a magic island. Yeah, this. I, I got a magic island, John, where this, it's like. You this know. feels too directly <laughs> no, I, bigger than that. I, I, I'm with you, Gary. I get what but, you're saying. I yeah. definitely get what you're saying. But I think the odds of the stone, the, the one advantage that this uni- that the cinematic universe yeah. has over the comic universe, yeah. is that the chances of these stones surviving the next movie yeah. is extremely slim. Yeah. So I think, I think that's going to help, right. is that like. But that power is not going to exist anymore at the end of that movie. Agreed, but this is where it all curves back to the extended nature of the storytelling where it's like, right, but for this movie to work for me, for the end of this movie to have any kind of stakes and give me any kind of emotional impact, I have to believe these people die at the end. And not only do I not believe that because of all the surrounding shit that I know about from movies, in this movie, there is a device that means that doesn't matter. And that's never resolved in this movie. So these deaths are just meaningless death. There's like to me, there's no way around that. In the context of this movie, the, it, there's just death is not a problem, and then it ends with death, yeah, well, and we're supposed to care. Is, now you're stacking problems. Uh, you have to stack problems to, to work it. Where it's like, okay, there is a way out, but unless the five Avengers that aren't dead can get their hands on this gauntlet from the most powerful being in the world. Then they are dead. Now, of course, because of the the schedule and all, we know that there's Black Panther yeah. movies coming out, yeah. Spider-Man movies. But I think in that moment, and I guess this goes back to me just answering your question with the question we started this episode is, is in that moment, the value for me isn't, oh, no, will I never get another Spider-Man movie? Oh, no, will I never see these heroes again? It's more of how are they going to get the gauntlet back? Yeah, yep. And, yeah. and so, like, that's and that's the what will be the enormity of the next movie yeah. is... We all know that Captain America, 
is going to gather everybody and say, okay, we need to get the gauntlet back. Yeah. We know that Tony Stark's going to be like, I'm bleeding out. We got to get back to earth. I got to save Pepper. We got to yeah. get the gauntlet back. Like that's the shit that, that I, and in a way it's almost exciting to me because like, I know it's leading to one last hurrah of the original lineup. And it's going to be so cool to see them, you know, all, all your favorites are back and they're all going to hit shawarma. You know, and like mm-hmm. that's, that is, I'm cheesing now just thinking about it. That's where, you know, I, I know the deaths were impermanent, but to me, it wasn't about will I get to see another Black Panther movie. It was about how is, how are they going to get to the thing that lets them fix it. Yeah, I guess I just want the movie to have some drama. I believe in, and all of those things lead to yeah, me not absolutely. really believing in the drama of this movie. And I I do think that's like kind of a legitimate problem with the way they decided to oh, tell this story. I think that I certainly cannot refute it um, because it's not untrue. It's just once again, it's just this. This is as hard as they come in terms of a matter of taste. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Your yeah. frustration, where your frustration comes from, though, is I think it was, I think it was reasonable to go into the movie expecting that of all the studios, the MCU could pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not an impossible task. Right. And uh, and they didn't pull off that in that yeah. impossible task. I will say real quick, Thor was like MVP of this movie for me and his whole story could be excised from this movie and it would not matter. It's like probably the biggest waste of time in the movie, but it was just straight up heavy metal cosmic space rock and I loved everything about it. I loved giant Peter Dinklage dwarf. I love him having to forge a weapon in like a sun basically like everything about it was just fucking ruled and I love that he ended with him having an enormous axe. That's like the most metal thing ever. I it was great. I like. I could. I wish this was a Thor movie that was just about all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The theater went crazy yep. for that moment. Yeah, yep. same. Yeah, I mean, for the the times that I've seen it with, with an audience, like when they uh, when Cap shows up, everybody goes nuts. Yep. When the Wakanda music starts, yep. everybody goes nuts. And when Thor shows up, everybody goes nuts. Yep. And we had applause okay, in when, our theater when, just when, when the movie Pepper started. Oh, there was a person who wooed when the Marvel graphic came up, yeah. and then it was really awkward because they don't do the normal fanfare. Right, it's just quiet. Yeah, and there was one yeah. girl who was just like woo, and then like nothing. Yeah, it was amazing. That's funny. Uh, we had um, we had a, uh, I, I had a. Uh, oh shit! Is that Dinklage? I I got that in the theater. Yeah. Um. Yep. Everyone went nuts when Pepper showed up. That yep. always yep. happens. America loves Pepper Pot. It's oh, yeah. true. But the best was uh. I gotta think of a tasteful way to say this. When um when Black Panther started uh dissolving, yeah. one person in the theater went, Edward! But they actually said it. <laughs> and then someone else was just like, Oh, I want my money back. <laughs> like, that that brought the house, including myself, completely down. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Awesome. Yeah, there were definitely interesting reactions to like the people disappearing at the end of my theater. Yeah. Which is like the cool thing about it to me is like I get that this is like my own issue with the way this movie yeah. is set up because I got oh, to yeah. sit in a theater where people really were reacting emotionally to that ending. Yeah. Um, I just wish I could have been one of them. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, the, I react more to that vision, Scarlet Witch stuff yeah. at the end with Thanos than I do to everybody dissolving because, yeah. you know, I mean the, it's interesting because the infinity gauntlet storyline that all happens sort of off screen, quote yeah. unquote, where like, they're just, Oh, by the way, like Thanos has killed all and here's the Avengers that are left. And now we need to go do something. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's a bold choice for like a general audience mm-hmm. audience thing, and I'm actually really surprised that the cinema score was like an A, yeah, because or A or A minus or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I was worried that like 
not worried because it's not my money, but like I was curious to see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was curious to see how general audiences were, were going to take this movie. Yeah, and to me, like that's the most amazing part. Really, yep. is that like they've taken to it at least on opening weekend. Yeah, more than I ever would have, for the amount of like comic books that sell on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's insane. Yeah, uh, I feel pretty I think com- too that people who are not you know pre existing Marvel fans that kind of got into it because of the movies. I think they have a better experience with those deaths feeling more permanent. Yeah. Um, Because, like, there's a lot of kids in there that are 11 years old. Oh, yeah. That they, you know, there's there's kids in there that are, like, if someone's in there that's 20 years old, they saw Iron Man when they were 10. Yep. And it's like, meanwhile, like, Star Wars existed before us and will exist after us. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, so there there was already a built-in, you know, we know we know the form and function. Yeah. But I think for for the MCU, like yeah, you, me, Ryan, you, like we we get that that's impermanent. But like I know a lot of people that were in my theater are really fucked up over it. Oh yeah, that's and I'm I'm like super pleased that the movie is yeah. giving people that moment. I'm that, jealous. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I feel comfortable wrapping this up. We did a good hour here. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? Any anything else you want to bring up? Um. I'll, I'll tell you guys didn't say, didn't change my opinion, but I I at least uh, do not feel as as uh, scared over the the way this might affect uh, our cinemas. Because uh, I think your opinion is defendable and not wrong. Yeah. Right. But I think that uh, I think that movies are going to be just fine. Yeah, I the hope so. The fact that people are going for whatever reason, right. even if it's just to see something like this, is never not a good thing. Yeah. Um. It it pleases me that. You know, it doesn't matter to me what the quality of the movie is. I think as long as people are going, the quality will find its way to the theater. It, it always has. It always will. And, you know, I think it's not to get up our own asses here, but, like, that's where people like us are important because yeah. we're the ones that can say, hey, this isn't just a distraction. If you elevate this in your mind, it's actually art. Yeah. And I think the power combination of people showing up and people being interested and then people like us just discussing the taste of it that's the kind of stuff that will always exist and as such so will so will the movies yeah um all right well yeah. let's go let's do a quick round of plugs and we'll get out of here uh ryan sure. why don't you plug yourself away sure uh, i'm ryan silverstein you can find me all over cinadelphia.com writing a bunch of stuff i did a 10-year marvel rewatch uh which was a lot of fun dan helped get me over the finish line uh where i watched all of the movies leading up to infinity war i wrote the infinity war review uh, you can also find my podcast, the Shame Files podcast. Uh, if you Google that, you can. It's on Philadelphia as well. Uh, we watch movies from our list of shame, cross them off, talk about them. We've been doing a Paul Verhoeven month, uh, so our latest episode is uh, as of this recording is Starship Troopers. L will be out later this week. Um, so if if you're a movie movie listener, I know that you at least are interested in Verhoeven. So you can listen to us react to Paul Verhoeven watching them for the first time. So check that out. That's been a really good series so far. I've been Thank enjoying you. it. Uh, Dan, why don't you go ahead and play this? I, uh, I, under- I understand uh, you you finally knocked Showgirls off your list. <laughs> I did. Well. And that is a piece of cinema, let like, me tell you. Nobody emerges. Like, whether you like that movie or not, the person who starts that movie is not the person who finishes it. <laughs> that, that movie changed my brain chemistry for a couple of days. I couldn't stop thinking about it. 
And uh, we talked about it with uh, Ro- Rosalie, who was on your most la- re- most recent episode. Yes. At the top of our Starship Troopers episode, and we came around to collectively deciding we liked and it was a good movie <laughs> through our discussion of Showgirls. So yeah. at the very least, you should listen to that and stick around for the Starship Troopers stuff, uh, which is also very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Well, I will agree with you. I think Showgirls is incredible, and that's also that that was a very good episode. Thank you, Jim. Why don't you go ahead and plug yourself, man? All right, uh, I am. Uh, I'm just. Gonna, I'm just gonna plug myself, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, just pull those I, um, cheeks apart. Plug it up. Yes. <laughs> uh, I am uh, as Dan Scully on everything. Letterbox, Twitter. Um, I also am a writer for Philadelphia, so uh, check that out. And uh, yeah, at Dan Scully on anything. Um, if you're interested, you should check out my podcast. It's called I Like the Movie. <laughs> um, it is available on iTunes, really any podcast app that you use or podcast service. You, we're there. We're there. And it's I Like Two Movie with the numeric two. Yeah. Uh, and on Twitter and Facebook. And I Like Two Movie at gmail.com, numeric two. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Philadelphia. That's with an F. And uh, definitely check out our most recent episode that uh, Ryan just brought up on the Love Witch uh, with a couple of the folks that run Movie John. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back in just a couple of weeks with a normal episode. Thanks for bearing with us for this hour to try and uh, hash out whether uh, I definitely have a different opinion of uh, comic book movies on the big screen than I did in 2014. It turns out, which is kind of interesting. So oh, absolutely! Thank yeah. you guys for helping me uh, unpack that a little bit. And, uh, and let's uh, let's throw this out there too, just because uh, it's it's worth mentioning. There's a really cool thing happening in our city right now, and it's called South Street Cinema. Oh yeah, and um, there's just there's been a lot of really really cool cinema based events there, uh, as well as a lot of very interesting screenings, the likes of which you you will literally not see anywhere else. Yes, and uh, uh, it's always five dollars. There's always a cool event. Um, I know you went to like a VHS swap. Which yeah, is just an incredible thing. I, I've been, um, they I've, did like a uh, what's it called a uh, Lovecraft weekend. Like, there's always something going on, and uh, it's on South Street. So it's like you're there anyway. So yeah, you should check out South Street Cinema. Very much so. Yeah, totally agree. It's also run by the folks that, uh, or the the folks that run Puff, the film festival that Dan and I like so much in the city, uh, help run that. So. Uh, if you're interested in them, you should definitely check them out. I've been having a lot. I saw Reanimator there this weekend as part of their uh, Love Craft weekend. Love that movie. Uh, so yeah, they they're doing a lot of cool screenings and it's a ton of fun. I like going down there on Saturdays. Uh, all right, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Ryan Silverstein, and I also like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we like to movie live via satellite. <laughs> Uh, Dan, thanks, dude. I appreciate you being here for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate uh, you putting up with me having to call.